LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, and Todd Adkins is not here today. Me and Ben Mandrell, the president and CEO of LifeWay, are taking over the podcast. I'm so glad he's out of town because it's about time we took this thing over. Absolutely. Yeah. But we also have an incredibly special guest with us in studio, not on a call, but sitting right beside us at the LifeWay headquarters. We have the legendary John Eldridge in the house. Absolutely. It's so great to have you, John. guys. Yeah, it's a coup. We're taking it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you've not heard of John Eldridge, which I'm sure you have, uh, he's an author, a counselor, a teacher, and you've probably heard of his book, Wild at Heart. And if you have not, you have to go check that out. But also, you're going to want to go check out his new book, which is called Get Your Life Back and just a timely message. Can you just share a little bit of the heart behind why you wrote that book? Why well, I was cooked. <laughs> I was I was baked. I, I actually didn't write this. I mean, I wrote it for me. Like mm-hmm. I, These were just things I started doing because I was so spun up from the world and the chaos and the trauma and... Mm. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I just realized I have stopped doing everything that once gave me life. I'm mm. not riding my bike anymore. I'm not reading anymore. I was just fully in the matrix. I was just completely working at night, doing email before bed, all that, right? The Man, whole symptom. You're you know? describing the last seven months of my life. <laughs> Keep going. And then, and then do you have a copy of your book? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to get my life back. Like you and everybody else, right? I mean, we got sucked into a pace that nobody's enjoying. Yeah. And so I just began to ask God for the way out. Show me the way out. Because I still have a life and I still have a company and I have 19 employees and we're doing things all over. You know, so it's, it's not like I can just walk away. Um, so he began to take me through some really simple things to get out of the madness, restore my soul, be a human being again. And it worked Mm. like it's working. I would say I'm still loving it and living Mm. in it and stuff. And so then I'm like, well, um, shared it with my friends. They loved it. Thought, okay, we'll do a book. You know, the best books really are born out of our own struggle, right? And so you wrote this book, you said, really for you. Totally. You needed to write this book for totally. you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what yeah. were some of the things that, that you discovered through that process? Well, um, first off that, okay, so Nicholas Carr's book, The Shallows, What the Internet's Doing to oh, Our yeah. Brains, yeah, almost book. won the Pulitzer for it. Yeah, killer book. I'm like, I am a fragmented person. Like my, my attention has been fragmented mm. by the way I work, by the way I move, by the way I consume media. I want my attention back. It's hard to have a continuous thought. Right? Okay, and here's the, the troubling thing with that is you read the saints down through the ages and transformation, like mm. human restoration takes place when you are able to give God your attention. Mm. I'm like, I, I'm having a hard time giving anybody my attention. So healing my attention, healing my ability to be still, you know, reasonable unplugging. I didn't go monastic, but like phone goes off at 8 p.m. That's, you know, I I get the rest of my evening Hmm. to be human. And then don't check my phone first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. which I, it's just habit, right? So yeah. you wake up and boom, you're in the matrix again. Well, it's like, I think you even put this in your book. The average American checks their phone 80 times a day. Yeah. 70% keep it within reach while they sleep. Yes. And I'm just sitting here thinking the boundaries that you're saying, you would yeah. just be able to turn it off. And yeah. what would you say? What's, what's your recommendation? What have you learned through this of how do we handle our phone and social media and 
the push notifications that mm-hmm. will disrupt mm-hmm. our day. Yeah. You really don't need email on your phone. Mm-hmm. You might think about deleting that <laughs> uh, app. You, mm-hmm. you really don't need the internet on your phone. You have access to it, you know, on your laptop or your tab or whatever, you know, like set some reasonable boundaries for yourself. Like g- give yourself space to be human again, because what happened is technology is more and more faster and faster. Well, that means everything's coming at you more and more faster. In fact, people get a hold of you 24-7. There's no private space anymore, right? Yep. And so if we put some boundaries around it, we get to be people again. We get to like have a human life. You get to like listen to music or read a book. Or, John, I've been a pastor for 17 years and I'm just, I'm excited for pastors to get a hold of this book. Right? It sounds like exactly yes. what a lot. Lifeway <clears throat> Research says that 89% of pastors say they enjoy their job, but 55% say that they're overwhelmed. Yes. Like more than of course half they say they're, they're totally overwhelmed. Of course they are. The modern pastor has the, the most ruthless job on the planet because he's a CEO, but he's also a counselor. He's a teacher, but he also needs to be a real estate expert, right? He, he has to be a news commentator. The, the, the expertise that we're requiring of guys who actually were mm. just supposed to lead us to God is insane. So his life is so spun up. He doesn't have a life anymore. Yeah. Man, I, I bet a lot of ministry leaders are going to be excited to get their hands on this book. Is it out now? Yeah. They can go get it yeah, right yeah. now. Yep. Get Your Life Back by John Eldridge, man. That's going to be a great read. Yeah. I'm going to go get that one. <laughs> one more thing I want to ask. I'm, I'm sitting here with two guys who, John, you've lived in Colorado for a while. Ben, you just moved from Colorado. My heart will always remain there. <laughs> it's always there. I love my heart in Colorado. <laughs> um, and then you mentioned that the average person spends 93% of their life Indoors. I read this and I'm just blown away by this. Yes. And going to Colorado, it's just, you just want to be outside all the time. So how, what does out, being outdoors help with just kind of our, our mind frame and how being outside really just leads us to the Lord? Yeah. It's, say well, it's huge because the human soul is nourished by nature. The human soul is nourished by creation. You weren't created for the mall, <laughs> right? I mean, God didn't put Adam and Eve, right? you know, down at the 7-Eleven or whatever, he <laughs> put them in creation. So this is a fascinating thing. So people in hospitals recover faster, are released sooner, need less pain medication if they simply have a window looking on nature. Wow. Nature heals. Hmm. Nature restores. And like 20-minute walk in the woods, lowers your cortisol levels, gets the stress chemicals out of your head. You know, it's it's super, super healing. Yeah. Man, the hardest thing in Colorado and pastoring a church I found was that a lot of people are so nourished by nature that you have to build a case for why they want to sit in a room on Sunday morning. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a very real tension I battled. Oh, a lot yeah. of guys would say, hey, my church is the mountains. Yeah. And it's a both end. Obviously, we want corporate sure. worship. We want to be together with other believers. But I think there's real, some real truth to this in terms of just think about how many hours a day you're if within four walls. Well, and let's let's set some reasonable explana- expectations because not everybody can get out to the mountains every day, right? right? Or I would love, I love the ocean. I love the ocean. I can't get to the ocean like once a year, maybe, yeah. you know, but yeah. you can get outside. Like yeah. you can take a walk. All cities have green spaces now. You can get to a park. You can find some trees. Like you, I, I take a lap around our building. I work in an office building just like this. And But I'll go outside and take a lap. Mm. Like see what the weather's doing. Let fresh air you know, wash over you. It's true. We can get to it. 
It's available. Does the screensaver count? Like a really nice screensaver? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the Tetons or that sort of thing. It's a, yeah. It's a digital window into digital, the outdoors. Digital outdoors. Well, yeah. John, we've got five leadership questions, and we just want to throw some things at you and see what see what you spin up for us today, yep. where this goes. Yep. One of the questions we want to ask you is just what are you what are you who are you learning from right now? You mentioned the Shallows book. What are you reading? What's in what's in your brain? Yeah, you know who I'm learning from right now is my team. Because I fell into a leadership style where I love to get stuff done. So I, I'm one of those AAA, hard-charging you know, guys. And I was not letting my younger team, you know, these hot shots that work for me, I wasn't really letting them speak and bring their opinions and, and show mm. me what they know. Um, and I, so I have to like in humility say I'm learning from my team now like I, I am changing the way we do leadership in our organization much more collegial much more open to their input hmm. uh, so when we're in director meeting and you know I've got these talented talented folks at the table I'm now the last one to speak hmm. I want to know what they think tell me what you're learning tell me you know where should we be going what are we doing give me the because they're they're they got a lot to offer. That's really good. Do you find yourself uh, tempted constantly to take over the conversation? You have to discipline yourself to hang back, not be the first one to speak, don't you? <laughs> don't you? Yeah. I mean, any, any, anybody who's like a natural leader is going to find that. Cause, and it's not because I'm trying to be a tyrant. It's just that I'm so excited and I love what we're doing and I've got some thoughts. And of course, I think my thoughts are really good. And so, yeah, dominate versus wait, you know, slow to speak, quick to listen kind of thing. Chandler, I'm going to ask you, let you ask a question in a second, but I've got one more. Yeah, I yeah. Ask. No, keep going. So can we talk about Wild Heart just for a second, please? <laughs> All right. So, I mean, the, the book's been going for, and the longevity and yes. staying power of the book yes. is pretty magnificent. In fact, I went back and read the preface once again to the newer edition. And, yes. you, and you said, I, I wondered if I would still believe these things. Yes. I believe them even more today. Y yes. So where where is the wild at heart message still in your soul? Is it still the central thing you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Because when I wrote when I wrote Wild at Heart twenty plus years ago, we were the culture was in a state of massive gender confusion. What does it mean to be male, female? What does a real man look like? You know, what does a Christian man look like? But now it's gender collapse. I mean, gender isn't even accepted in the culture anymore. It's a continuum. It's a broad continuum across which people can move and change and, and adapt and that sort of thing. So it is, it is more healing. It is more of a rescue now to have some direction in mm. that. What does God say about it? How's he heal masculinity? Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, the conversation is only heating up. Right? Yeah. Yeah, big time. And it's like you saw it before it came really to the <clears throat> surface. You yeah. were talking about it before everybody else was talking about it, but now it's become the thing. Well, I was just picking up the early carnage because as a therapist, I just got guys circling through my office. And whatever the issues were, it was the gambling or the divorce or the sexual addictions and stuff, the core issues were all the same. It was the issues of the masculine soul. It was father woundedness. It was the search for validation. It was the core stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, I, this is, I am picking up the early casualties mm. of war here. Wrote the book out of that. Saw those, you know, encounters and observations. And now it's like. You obviously didn't dream the book would do what it did. <clears throat> no. 
I mean, that thing took off like wildfire. Yeah, fire. yeah, it did. And, wow. and, and the beautiful thing is Jesus continues to use it. Mm. So we're on the shuttle from the airport to come, come into Nashville here. And the shuttle driver asks a colleague, what are you here for? And he says, oh, John Eldridge, you know, you may have heard of Wild at Heart. Shuttle driver <sighs> says, that book saved my life. Oh, says, that's so cool. No, listen to this. This is unbelievable. He says, I was a heroin addict. Wow. And I got that book. And God used it to heal me. So, like, it's a God thing. That must be so rewarding that? for well, you. Let's wow. just, I mean, let's just be realistic yeah. here. It, like, the, m- no man is that good. I'm not that good. Well, it's like God every once in a while just takes it. just like an anointing. Exactly. It just comes on a resource. And totally. we, we were talking about the other day about experiencing God. Yeah. You know, when the Bingo. experiencing God study came out, yep. nobody dreamed how the Holy Spirit was just going to drop down on that thing. Totally. And it just took fire. Right. Still one of the best selling books yeah, for us. Exactly. I mean, it's right. amazing. Or you, or you take a little book like Jesus Calling. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's like in everybody's bathroom in the world, you know? <laughs> and <clears throat> for whatever reason, God just decides to sit it's down. It's awesome. And, yeah. It's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I love to watch Jesus do his deal. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. I know it's impacted my my life as well as Ben's and probably so many of even those listening have stories that you just get to hear in shuttles. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you get to keep hearing more right. of how the Lord uses it. Well, going back to kind of you're talking about how you're leading your team, sitting back, yep. being, being a little bit slower to speak, yep. letting others speak. What would you say is the main point of your emphasis on your leadership team or it could even be of yourself right mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Listening, prayer. If you were to drop in on a director meeting, so we've got, you know, resources, marketing, social, get everybody at the table here, event director, all that, listening prayer, like pausing long enough to let God speak Hmm. Um, because our creativity and our passion get in the way and we often launch off on stuff we shouldn't be doing Mm -hmm. actually, or that God's not in, he hasn't anointed it, Yeah, right? It's just a good idea. And so lots of listening now, like we're really in, in not just as an occasional thing, not just at the beginning of the year and we dedicate the year, you know, we do that, but every leadership meeting has some component of, okay, we've got this opportunity to go to Germany, pause, Jesus, what are you saying? Is that where you're leading? Is that where you're guiding? It's huge. That's great. Oh, it's rescued us. John, one of my favorite questions we ask on this show, because I really think this is where the rubber meets the road, is we ask people, like, what, is a, what are a couple of things you make sure you do every day that you force into your life that have yep. become part of who you are? Yep. Uh, what, what, I'm curious, and you may have recently developed some new ones because of the book you just came out, but just yep. lifestyle rhythms. Mm-hmm. So get outside. Yep. Get outside. Um, because I work indoors. And I drive a car and so, you know, that was the World Health Organization that came out with that 93% data of our life indoors. Get outside. It's a discipline. Um, Pausing. I realized I don't, I don't pause. Mm. I would go phone call to phone call to phone call to meeting to meeting to meeting to phone call to email to boom, 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 you know, and I would just never even pause. There's no transition. Just rest. Yes. Let your brain slow down. Let you come back to yourself. Let you find God again. So Jesus dropped into our world, the one minute pause and uh, started at night in pulling my driveway, turn off my truck, but I don't have to jump out. I don't, I can sit there 60 seconds and uh, became so huge pausing, learning the 60 second pause team does it. Bells go off in our office now at 10 and two every day. Oh wow! Everybody stops 60 seconds. 
reset, give it to Jesus, dial in. So that's really good. We built an app. We built an app on this now called the One Minute Pause. 35,000 downloads, users right now, people just learning to mm. pause in their day. Mm. It's huge. Man, I just know as a dad, sometimes I come home at night and I haven't paused all day and I'm just spent. Right? Just, I feel like I've got all this tension in my shoulders because I never, I never, I can't think of a moment throughout the day where I actually just stopped to look out the window. Right. And so, man, what you're saying really resonates, especially right. as just being a father and trying to have some emotional energy at the end of the day. Well, that was it for me. Like, I, cu I couldn't pay attention to what Stacy was saying. And we've got these darling little grandchildren now. And I could play with them for about five minutes. And then I wanted to check my phone, <clears throat> check email. You know, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I understand. You got to unplug from your world to move into other things. So allowing transitional space, allowing a pause, allowing a gear, a gear change, super helpful. And if I hear a, uh, a little bell at 10 and 2 <coughs> at Lifeway, I know where it came <laughs> Come from. Come on. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you this, especially with your counseling background. I feel like today's culture is especially in, you know, somewhat corporate world or really in the business world trying to climb the ladder. It's hustle, hustle, hustle. Like yep. I'm just going to knock out everything that I can, fill my plate as much as possible. Yep. Everybody's going to see how hard I'm working. And to the point where we just, of course, get burned out like you're talking about, but also the the pause rhythm, I think like some of us are scared to pause and actually wrestle with our thoughts. Like, do you feel like that's part of the reason why okay. we don't slow down? Come on. Come on, like we are in love with distraction. Hmm. We are in love with it. it because distraction keeps you from having to look at anything that's going on inside, hmm. right? Your motives, your reactions, what's actually fueling you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Might be loneliness, might be emptiness, might be rage. Like we just don't look inside. And I mean, you don't look inside. I guarantee you every single leadership scandal, crisis, burnout that you have heard of in the last 20 years, I will guarantee you that guy or gal was flying fast, getting tons done, never paused, never paid attention to their inner world. And so really, I mean, kind of what we're talking about is soul care, right? Yeah. Like if you don't take care of your soul, you will dry out mm -hmm. and then you will look for relief. You know, and relief usually doesn't mean restoration. It usually means, you know, a little too much of this, a little too much of that, right? So you got to take care of your soul. So there's there's probably somebody listening. I know even for myself, I'm sitting here like, all right, this is a great counseling session for me. Like just thinking through how do I create boundaries? Somebody listening saying, man, John is speaking right to me right now. What, what are those boundaries that you would set up? And even I know you're saying, hey, take that one minute pause. But how, how do we deal with that? Hey, when I, when I pause, I'm realizing there is this motive of loneliness. Mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. my worth is in my work. Mm -hmm. How would you wrestle with that? Every leader and every achiever attaches yeah. their worth mm -hmm. to their work. Okay. So disentangling that stuff, um, let's be kind and let's say there's a process. We're all on a process of wholeheartedness. Um, it's not going to happen tomorrow. But becoming aware of what's fueling you, uh, fear, guilt. Uh, the need for validation, need to be loved, being aware of it and going, oh, okay, okay, Father, this this is actually what's fueling me. You know, that I, I used to do a lot of sermons and you wait for the praise. You wait for the feedback, right? And if you get criticism, there's something in you that's like, you know, 
And I'm like, oh, Jesus, like, what am I bringing to this? I'm bringing my search for love and validation and belonging. Forgive me. I bring that back to you. So you reset and you you give that back to the place it belongs. Like, my heart's yours, God. My heart is yours. And, and I do need love and I do need validation. Those are real human needs. And the need for validation is the masculine need. That is the thing that fuels every single thing a man does. That's okay. Where am I getting my validation? Ultimately from your father, your father, God, what he has to say, well done, right? I, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, that kind of stuff. Man, when you talk about like inner motivations for why you do what you do, I'm sure you've had this conversation with yourself because writing books is actually the most painful thing a person can set out to do. I think writing is really hard work. So why have you done it? Like what's really driven you to write? Mm -hmm. Why not just speak? That's Mm -hmm. easier than having to sit down and create a manuscript. Mm -hmm. Like why, why books? Um, C.S. Lewis said, I write the books that I would like to read. And so I, I write Actually, I write because I love it. I write because as I write, I learn. As I write, I'm, I'm, I'm absorbing the things God's teaching me. So it's a, it's a very personal thing. I'm not mm. thinking market. I'm not thinking numbers. I really am not. Um, Sales, that, that's not, not entering your head. Not while I'm writing. When we get to the launch phase and all that, yeah, of course you think that. But even there... So here was here like oh my gosh, um, Stacey and I took a little sabbatical last summer. We got away, got some rest. It was really good. And coming back in, I was actually kind of fearing coming back. Um, that you would just go back to like hundred miles an hour, hundred miles an hour. Yeah, just repeat, yeah. repeat it all. Um, put myself right back in the condition that I needed a sabbatical. Right, I'm just gonna. So <laughs> sabbatical to sabbatical. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to, um, so I said, father, you got to help me with this. And here's one of the things he said, he said, ransomed heart, which is the name of our ministry. He said, ransomed heart is not your life. Ransomed heart is where you serve. And I was like, no, it's my life. Like I've made it my life. I, and I, He's like, it's not your life. Your life is your life. This is where you serve. And so just beginning to disentangle some of that from, you know, this is my validation. This is my whole being. This is, you know, uh, which any startup, any startup, it is your life for yeah. a while. It yeah. is. You, you got to give it everything. Church plant, come on. It's everything. You eat, drink, and sleep it. Yeah. But at some point, you got to get your life back. At some point, yeah. you got to pull out and be a human being and do things like, play music or enjoy making dinner or, you know, take a walk with your spouse or, yeah. right? You got to pull out and be a human being again and and really have have a private life and have a private life with God. That's really good. That's really good. Well, this takes us a little bit into our next question, which you're talking about your wife and you're also talking about your grandkids. So what does leadership look like in your home for you now? Um, confession. <laughs> Letting, honestly acting like Stacy's opinions are as valuable as mine. Because I know a lot 
and I have graduate school training and I've been at this for a long time. And so an arrogance can get in. Honestly, an arrogance gets in where, yeah, this is my wife, you know, but it's not my vice president talking to me. It's not, you know, it's not Nicholas Carr talking to me. <laughs> it, it, but that is so bad. Oh man, that's so bad. Yeah. That's super disrespectful. And and it hasn't been good for her value and, and her voice. And so kind of like what I'm doing with my team in terms of, no, no, speak to me, talk to me, tell me what it's like to live with me. What kind of culture am I creating here? Letting Stace do that. And and honestly acting like, no, your your opinion is is equally valid. So it's co-leadership, to be honest. It's it's Let's talk about our year. Let's talk about how we're going to spend money. Let's talk about free time. Let, you know, let's talk about our travel schedule <laughs> and, and, and letting her be a total, total co-participant, Adam and Eve together, ruling and subduing, right, mm -hmm. has been huge for our marriage. I'm glad I'm not the only one that struggles with that. I mean, there's been so many times I've come home and I've told Lindley, my wife, uh, about a great idea that somebody on the team had, and she's already shared that with me. But right. all of a sudden, <laughs> right? It's a great idea because oh, somebody besides so, her oh, said, "Oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's really bad." Yeah, yeah I know, I'm sure you've never done that, Chandler. Yeah. But don't make mistakes that yeah. we've made. The wisdom of you all. I'll, I'll learn from it. You know what? Most men actually fear their wives. Honestly. Data. In what way? Because she reads your mail. She's got the data on you. Like you can fake it at work. You can fake it at church, but you cannot fake it at home. You can't. Like if she ever went public with what she knows. Yeah. She knows you. you. She knows you. And, and, and so, yeah, to live an honest life before her that's really loving is the wisest thing you can do. Hmm. That's good. What did, because I know you all, you were wild at heart and mm -hmm. I know captivated, mm -hmm. correct? Um, mm -hmm. Now, was that a joint project or was yep. that just, okay. Yep. So what, what did that look like? I mean, I'm sure you guys learned a lot through that. I know you wrote it in the book, but what did the process look like? And then what were some of the learnings that you've taken into your yeah. home? Yeah. Um, so while at heart took off in its second year, it wasn't an instant success. It took off in its second and third year. And so publisher naturally circles back around and says, okay, what let's, yeah, well, let's do the book for women. Where's yeah. the, where's the companion book for women? And I said, I'm never going to write that book because I'm not a woman and I don't have any stories to tell. Right. I, I don't know what that, I don't know what the internal terrain of femininity is. Mm -hmm. Stacy then about six months later comes in the kitchen and says, I want to write that book. So we actually had a phenomenal time. I taught her my way of writing, like how I write, the structure of it, the rhythm, how you kind of approach all that. And we had a ball doing it together. However, living in femininity for hours every day, I, my rescue was my son's go-kart. <laughs> I, I needed gasoline. I needed engines. I needed, so I would go out and I would get in the go-kart and I would rip up and down our cul-de-sac. You know, so you have this 40-year-old guy, you know, riding around in this go-kart and the neighbors are like, it's two in the afternoon. What is this, you know, yeah. what's this joker doing? I needed, I needed to enter that world, but then I needed to pull out of that world. It's a well-known fact that planting churches and campuses is the most effective way of reaching the lost. And launching in a rented venue like a school or a theater is one of the most cost-effective ways to launch a new church. So if you're planning to launch a church or a campus and trying to figure out how to do that really well in a rented space, we encourage you to check out our friends at Portable Church. 
The team at Portable Church Industries takes your vision and creates engaging environments around it that keep volunteer retention high and allow more energy to be spent on ministry. So go to portablechurch.com slash lifeway to learn more and to find free customized resources that teach you how to launch portable and launch strong. John, I'm 43, and I think back to the last 20 years and just how fast it's gone. Right. What, what when you think back 20 years ago, and and kind of how old? Are, can I ask you how old you are now? Yeah, 60 this year. You're 60 this year. So when yeah. you were 40 years old, like yeah. if you could go back and talk to mm. your 40 year old self, what were some? What are some of the things you would say mm. to you? Mm. Slow down, slow down, Tiger. You'll get it done. Like slow down, pal. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say people are going to hurt you and betray you. Don't shut down. Don't close off Mm -hmm. to people. Stay open to people. You need people in your life. Don't withdraw, you know, because that's a leadership problem, right? Is that you end up feeling pretty isolated because nobody knows what my life is like. And there's actually a lot of truth to that. Right. You know, to be honest, nobody does know what it's like to be the head person in charge. Um, Slow down. Don't, uh, don't eject when people hurt and betray you. Mm. And I, I think I would say, take your restoration seriously because the greatest trials you're going to face will be because of the unhealed places in you. Take your restoration seriously, John. It's mm. not just achievement for God, you know, for the kingdom. Yeah, it's about great stuff, right? We're healing men and women's lives, but... Take your restoration seriously because mm. in the next 20 years, the greatest trials, tests uh, are because of unhealed things in me. When you talk about some of the betrayal and some of the difficulties you went through, can I pry into that just a little bit? Absolutely. Obviously, whenever you come out with a message like Wild at Heart, it's it's fresh, it's different. There were people who threw rocks at it. How did you, how did you process that when, when people criticized certain parts of your book or they maybe took liberties with it that you didn't appreciate? How do you, cause man, you, you put your heart and soul into that thing and then people criticize it. How did you, how'd you work through that? Well, two things. One, I don't, I don't read my reviews. I just don't. And my publisher sends me sales reports monthly, super unhelpful. <laughs> I don't read those. <laughs> Like, it's just not helpful. It's a roller coaster. It's the stock market, for heaven's sakes. You know, it's up and down, it's up and down, it's right. up and down, it's up and down, you know. Um, so get off the roller coaster. Don't read your reviews. Be forgiving. Um, be forgiving. But I think that the hardest part is when people misinterpret what right. I'm saying. You know, and so there was the, the general criticism against Wild at Heart was, oh, this is just, you know, you got to be a lumberjack if you're going to be a real man. you got to yeah. drink motor oil and... Um, and I'm like, actually, I literally say the opposite in the book. I'm like, this isn't about college football or being a fighter pilot. It, you know, the, every man has a masculine soul. Let's mm-hmm. talk about what God has for you there, you mm-hmm. know. And, uh, so I think misinterpretation is the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. Man, thanks for opening up about that. Yeah. It, like I said, I just know so many guys that... The the, t- the take you took on masculinity was just so different and so fresh. It was able to penetrate them. Yes. And the narrative and the stories yes. and the the 
movie quotes and everything yeah. God led you to put it into that. Like right. guys, guys read that and thought this guy really gets me. Yeah. He really gets me. Yeah. Exactly. And they listened. Right. All over the world. Yeah. All over the world. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. And Todd, thank you for letting Ben and I <laughs> totally hijack the five leadership questions podcast. This was fun. It's been a blast. We should start our own podcast. Hey, I'm down. We'll, we'll talk this, on the, the side. Six leadership questions. <laughs> yeah. The other leadership. <laughs> the other, five the other, yeah. The yeah. That'd be incredible. Well, thank you for listening. We do hope this has been helpful to you. And if it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review and just let, let Ben and I know how great of a host we are in place of Todd. That'd be Because we read our reviews, unlike John. <laughs> we read our reviews. <laughs> we do. Hope you have a great week. See you next time. See ya.